Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcasts. I am very excited to introduce to you a dear friend of mine, Rob Actis. He is a number one best-selling author, business action specialist, and strategic advisor, voice actor, and entrepreneur. This guy is Mr. Action himself. He uses his simple but powerful system to help new and experienced entrepreneurs wake up their raw potential and create amazing businesses and lives. Welcome, Rob. Well, hello there, and uh, so glad that I could be on the Evolving Self Podcast. Glad to be here. Well, thank you. And we've talked about this for a really long time because the work that you do and the uh, you know the evolution that that your industry has really experienced because of digital has been pretty amazing. And on top of that, sort of taking action and the ability to take action has also changed. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Rob, because you've got this amazing history and this amazing voice, so we want to hear more of it. So tell us a little bit more about Rob. Well, let's see. I am an action specialist. I've I've lived a life of action my entire life. I didn't realize it until, unfortunately, I had a doctor look at me in the eye and say, uh, how are you even alive? I was diagnosed with a blood clot a couple of years ago, and I discovered that when you don't take action, there are consequences. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. And in my case, well, I almost died. So what happens is you go through life and you get these signals, these, uh, how can I put it? Little signals and, and little clues of what's going on in your life and how you should take action. And if you ignore those, well, you can, in my case, you can almost die. So you can look at it in a business standpoint is that if you're looking at your business and you see things that are happening in your business that are like symptoms, like you don't have any money or your employees are not happy or your customers are not happy. If you don't take action and find out what those symptoms really mean, you'll end up in triage, except it won't be in a ER. It will be in your business is going to crash and die and your business is going to die. So it's really all about looking at clues in your life. And I I looked at my life of where I took action and where I didn't, because what I was diagnosed with was a blood clot. And that blood clot was ignored. I didn't pay attention to the symptoms. And so because of that, I had a blood clot from the top of my thigh all the way down to my ankle. It wasn't just like a little one. It was a massive sludge. So because of that, I laid in bed for about three and a half months, hoping to not die, because if any of that would have dislodged, it would have gone to my lung or my heart, and I would have suffered a major stroke. And the odds of me surviving that, I hear my voice just it's replays that, the odds of me surviving that would be, well, it wouldn't happen. So in that time, I thought to myself, where in my life I took action and where I didn't, and I just replayed my whole life. And I really came up with the fact is that When you follow your life's purpose and you take action, massive immediate action, incredible things happen. And when you're stuck in the planning stage, so the law of action is based on decide, plan, and act, which we all do. Well, actually, we all just decide and we plan a lot and we fail to take the action. And when you do that, your life moves at a very fast momentum. 
And the universe looks at you and says, hey, Heidi, you've been playing at this level. You're taking massive action. Now you're playing at this level. And what happens is great opportunity just comes to you and people just come to you and your world moves at a much faster velocity. I love it. And I think after reading your book, The Law of Action, it really triggered me into action. I, I, it made me sort of reevaluate a lot of the things that I was doing. I'm a big planner and I always have been. I love to plan. I love to know that I have something in sight. But some of those things have taken action and some of them haven't. And I think what's sort of fascinating is that overlap of, of recognizing sort of, you know, also what, what if those planning things maybe aren't necessarily serving you and what kinds of things can you actually take action on that are really going to take you to that next level like you're talking about? Absolutely. Well, so what happens is people think that, you know, they're procrastinating, but what it really comes down to when you decide and you plan and you're failing to act, it's really based upon fear. And when you zero in on that fear, incredible things can happen. So, for example, it could be fear of success. It could be fear of unworthiness, fear of not being completely prepared, fear of failure, fear of looking bad to your family, fear of looking bad to your friends, fear of just looking bad. And when you can zero in on that fear and break through the fear and get into action, amazing things happen. I, I say it often, and I've heard other people say it before, you write the book you need to read. I wrote the book I need to read. I was in action, but now I'm in very calculated action. And what has transpired since, since I wrote this book is unbelievable. It's a life that I don't even recognize. Now, you know, when I'm sitting and stuck in the planning stage, I'm thinking to myself, oh, uh-oh, I'm, I'm an action specialist. I wrote the book on the law of action. I really have to take action. And I'm forced to do that. And what I've discovered is when you're taking massive immediate action, people get, get caught up in that around you and your circle of friends, your circle of influence, your employees, your business associates, they get caught up in that vortex too. And so, you know, the, all, the tide rises all the ships and that's what makes it exciting because other people around me are picking up on the fact that I'm taking massive action and people all want to be part of, of that excitement and that momentum. And their businesses have risen as well, which which is a really great thing. So true. So true. So you know, there's a piece that a lot of people don't know about you, although they may recognize your voice. So where you came from before this, you know, before your health situation, there's a lot of things that led to that place. And you've done some really amazing things. And I want to make sure that we highlight that because it's not like you were coming from a state of being, you know, sitting neutral, doing nothing. You know, you've actually had accomplished an, an amazing amount, particularly in your journey from radio to voice actor. Can you share a little bit about that journey? Yes. Yeah, so, We'll go all back to when I was four years old. The people are going, oh, my God, four years old. Well, four years old was a significant time. And this will date me and say actually how old I really am. There's a TV show called Laugh-In. And Laugh-In was an incredible show. I used to watch with my family. And Gary Owens used to say, live from downtown Burbank. And I was a very unique child. I was very precocious. And I, I was a unique child. And I saw him doing that and I watched him doing that. And all of a sudden I turned around one day in front of my family and I said, I want to talk on TV now. Okay. I was four years old. What did that really mean? I didn't know, 
that this would be my career path. I didn't know I was declaring what my career path was. So with that, I not only wanted to talk on TV, but then I listened to the radio and I wanted to talk on radio. And I used to play radio in my my bedroom when I was a little kid, all the way to, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I just all I ever talked about was wanting to be on radio. And I used to listen to Shotgun Tom Kelly, who's now a friend of mine, who was on radio in San Diego. And uh, fast forward to 18 years old, I uh, got into college radio with my friend uh, Tony Pepper. And then fast forward a little bit longer to that, I got on B100. Bobby Rich put me on the air at B100, which was really the station that launched Top 40 Radio in, in America. It was really incredible. B100 is a credible history. And I was fortunate enough to be in that environment. And I did radio for, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years in San Diego. And uh, I really liked doing the voiceover part. And I put a lot of energy into that. And I retired from radio and opened up a voiceover studio and did voiceovers in San Diego. And it was amazing. And I discovered that with technology, I could actually move from San Diego, which was really expensive, to Gilbert, Arizona, and build an incredible studio. I had a studio in San Diego, but it was a lot of money to pay for that space, that rental space and and everything. And I realized that as a voice actor, no one was actually coming to my studio. They would just hire me via email. And I was doing the work and I would transport the files, you know, over the internet. And I'm like, why do I have this incredible facility that I built out? So moved to Gilbert, Arizona with my daughter and my wife, my then wife. And I was able to use technology and built this incredible studio in my home because no one was there. And now with technology, I'm able to take stuff on the on the road. If I'm at a at a conference or I'm doing speaking, if I need to do an audition, I can do that. And now I'm doing voiceovers for, you know, small companies like Black Box Wines or Bear Aspirin or CarMax or Subway or Walmart. And I can do that pretty much anywhere. And it's amazing the technology that is available to us that allows us the freedom to really be anywhere in the world. I've been in Mexico and did a voiceover. And it was amazing. You know, I was in the closet and all huddled up with a blanket to make it sound really good. But I did it and I got paid. So technology is certainly, I mean, I've auditioned for a national commercial in, a, in my agent's car using an iPhone and I booked the job. So, you know, technology really frees us up as well as ties us down. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about, about the tying down piece, because obviously there's always two sides to that. Yeah. So when I say tie down is, you know, we did a process the other night where I just said, you know, I am so sick of going to dinner and everybody is on their phone, me included. And so now we have committed for 2019, our phones go in the center of the table and whoever picks up their phone first is paying for the dinner. Like it's ridiculous because we cannot go through a couple hours without touching our phones. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we always want to jump into our photos and show that, or we go do a search on, on Google, or, you know, we, we may be talking about a movie. We were watching a movie the other night in the middle of the movie, everybody's like, I am DB and cause we want to see who this beautiful woman was. And it was Christina Hendrickson. We were watching the movie. Uh, what movie were we watching? We were watching fight club. 
And uh, we're all, a bunch of guys were in the theater and we're just watching the movie. And it wasn't a public theater. We're not rude. We didn't do that. But I have a theater in my house. And so we were, we were watching the movie and we're all start IMDb. And we're like, what movie is this she in? Oh my God, she's hot. And she's in Mad Men. But it takes away, but it also brings back. So technology is good in, in one area. So I'm able to remotely go where I need to go. And it's fun to bring you know, it was all into a conversation, but I think the technology is really hurting the fact is that people are not just relating as just human beings. We always have our phones in our hands. Like, I don't know about you, but I have this thing and it drives me nuts. My phone vibrates in my pocket when it's not in my pocket. Now, I don't understand how that works. And my iPhone watch now vibrates on my wrist when it's not on my wrist. It's a phantom vibration. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, that's Very just common. weird. That's just weird. And I'm like, there's not, it's weird. And so I think technology is great, but I also think that we have to master it. And I think that, you know, I see kids, especially uh, my daughter's 19, and they're on their phones all the freaking time. You can't even have a conversation with them. They're just always texting. And then you get a group of kids together now, and they're texting back and forth or Snapchatting back and forth, and they're all in the same room. It's really, really weird. And I will say for the kids part, it's kind of in their DNA. So we're older, and so it doesn't really it, – it doesn't – it affects us differently. But them, technology is actually a part of them. They integrate with technology it's it's seamless. And the way that they know all the apps and how that all works, it really, I do believe it's part of their DNA. It's it's who they are. And if you try to take away the technology from kids, they they will have a nervous breakdown. And you know, emotional outbursts like you can't believe. Adults were like, yeah, whatever. But it's harder for us to engage in the technology because it wasn't around. I remember when the first iPhone came out. And one of my clients who I did a voiceover for was so thrilled with that. He actually hired someone to go stand in line in Boca Raton, Florida to get me the first iPhone. And this was what, 12 years ago? Was it 12 years ago? I think that's came out iPhone maybe 11 years ago, Uh, 11 years ago, or well, yeah, 11. And And, and I will say when I had my iPhone, you would think I was a freaking celebrity because no one had seen anything like it. And it was actually great because it actually helped me get work. I was smart enough. What I did was, oh my God, check this out. And I put my voiceover demo on that and I went to conferences and they could hear my demo because they couldn't believe that there was a phone that played video and audio of that caliber. So, you know, it's, it's come full circle. But before that, my daughter is 19 and she really can't remember a time when technology has been engulfed in our lives. Well, absolutely. And I think to that point, that's what my new book is about. And with digital self-mastery, it's about building those boundaries and building a healthy relationship with it and and really sort of looking at how can we improve that with practices like, you know, stacking the phones on the table and just being more conscious about our relationship with it. And I think the interesting thing that you bring that example up is that that's an example that actually was introduced to me by my teenagers and seeing them do that. So I think that's, they actually have a lot of these interesting 
tools for creating proper boundaries that we could learn a lot from because we're still, you know, from my research, it's really shown that it's been our, our generation's much worse around our relationship with technology because we don't have that natural harmonious relationship with it. It's still this sort of friction, whereas for them, they're, you know, it's it's sort of a harmonious relationship, and but they also recognize that there's parts of it that are toxic. And so they're sort of saying, just like with a toxic friend, I need to have right. some space. So I think yeah. there, there, there's a lot that we can all learn from that. And I recommend, a little shameless plug here, I recommend that that you listeners, if you're interested in some tips around that, to, to pick up the latest version of my book, Digital Self-Mastery Across Generations. And it really talks to those different pieces so and, and has some really good tips to help you and your kids or whoever to uh, to build that positive relationship and, and look at, at how to build a more conscious relationship around it. So actually, I don't want to miss some of this stuff with, for example, with books. So you wrote this great book, Law of Action, love it. And uh, I know that you have been the voice for several big name authors, Hal Elrod, is that correct? Yes. So um, I'm the voice of Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning, uh, The Miracle Morning, the original book. And I've also narrated all the Miracle Mornings in the series. So the Miracle Morning for Network Marketers, the Miracle Morning for Real Estate. One of my all-time favorites is by David Osborne and Hal Elrod, and it's the Miracle Morning Millionaire that just came out. Joe Polish had one that came out. It's called the Miracle Morning for Addicts and Recovery. Um, there's a new one that I'm working on to be out uh, very shortly. And uh, also, I am revoicing Ed Rush's book, The 21-Day Miracle. It's already been released. Uh, he voiced it. Him and I had a conversation. He listened to The Miracle Morning. He's like, I want you to voice my book. So I have revoiced his book, and that'll be out very shortly. I'm excited about that. Ed Rush is this incredible guy. Uh, talking about a plug, I'm going to give a plug for Ed. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but go to Ed Rush 2020. Ed is just this incredible guy, and there's rumors that he may be running for an office uh, sometime soon that's uh, pretty incredible. Ed is a master orator. He's a incredible negotiator. He has a mind like a steel trap. He's a history, not nut, but he's a master of history. And he's one of the most unique people I've ever met. And he's so incredibly brilliant. And he's so incredibly kind. He was a fighter pilot. He was a Top Gun pilot. And his book, The 21 Day Miracle, is really, really good. The Miracle Morning is really, really good. Uh, I've been so busy with audiobooks that the Law of Action audiobook is not released yet because I had other moving parts in there. And some of the people that I interviewed actually put them in the book. And to tie them down and get them into a studio has been work, but it's now done. And so that'll be coming out probably in the next 30 days. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, audiobooks are just exploding. I have close to 30 audiobooks that I've narrated, but there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of audiobooks. You know, as an author, and you being an author as well, you tell people, hey, you know, read my book. And they're like, yeah, when's the audiobook come out? People don't read. Exactly. Audio books, man, Audible, which is owned by Amazon, has the largest distribution of audiobooks in the world. And there is everything you can possibly imagine. And more and more content is coming up on a daily, if not hourly basis. 
And what's exciting about audiobooks, and I love audiobooks, is because it's very intimate. You know, Hal Elrod wrote this amazing book, The Miracle Morning, and it's changed so many people's lives. I get to be the one who gets to bring his words to life to all those people that don't want to read a book. Well, so yeah, I, I get to be the catalyst for their change as well as how. And that's truly humbling and truly moving. And it, it really, it makes me feel good inside to know that my voice is having a significant impact on people's lives. Well, and that's the point that I was going to try to get to there is that so many people do actually consume books now through audio content. And whether you're not a big reader yourself, but you love the stories, or whether you, you know, you just don't have the time to sit down and read a book, but you maybe have a long commute and you can listen to it in the car, whatever the reason behind it, it seems like people are consuming books in and that kind of content from an audio format much more than they have in the past. And the quality and the ability to do that has improved just, you know, tenfold or more than tenfold. And and that's really exciting. And I think that one of the other pieces that you we, we talked about actually in the green room is the ability for authors to, you know, whether they use their own voice, because some people have a, a voice that can work for an audiobook, but some people don't. Some people's voice is just, you know, it's not something you want to listen to on a headset. That you know, that you don't necessarily have to have a voiceover studio to create quality sound recordings. It's really more about the voice itself. And and it gives the power to to share that across the globe, basically, in a very different way. Our books can be consumed by people that would never have had access before. Absolutely. So Amazon is so brilliant. They came up with a company called ACX. And ACX is a clearinghouse for audiobook producers to connect with authors. And so what they've done is they've made it available. So they're driving product to Audible, which is owned by Amazon. So Amazon owns Amazon, which sells all the books, the majority of books in the world. They own Audible which is the largest distributor of audiobooks in the world. And they own ACX, which is the clearinghouse and kind of like the green room where authors and audiobook publishers or audiobook producers can join together to produce the books. And the majority of the books that are done through ACX are done in home studios. And the technology has advanced so much that the quality is really there. And I will tell you that Audible and ACX is very picky about the quality. So there are certain requirements. And, you know, I have in my house, I have an incredible studio. My studio will, will you know, go toe to toe with, with um, other recording studios that are built out in commercial facilities. But not everybody has that. However, with technology and the new technology of microphones and the new technology of of noise reduction, you can get a pretty incredible quality from your house. Even from an iPhone, you can get incredible quality with the right tools. So it's now opened the door. It kind of takes it all the way back to the 90s. I'm dating myself again, where desktop publishing exploded, you know, and that's what's happening with recording and audiobooks. Now, here's the thing. 
I had PageMaker. If you guys are old, you'll know what PageMaker was. I had PageMaker and I had a laser printer and I was doing desktop publishing. However, I didn't have the skill set to really make it look good. It looked really, really bad. And then the people that did know that. So because you have the technology and the tools doesn't mean that you should do it. There's a reason why Hal chose me over other people to deliver his words in the Miracle Morning and why Ed Rush chose me. Just because you have the technology doesn't mean that you should be doing it. Absolutely. And actually, my my next question that I was going to ask you is, you know, so when I listen to audiobooks, for example, and when, when I was doing my research for my dissertation, I listened to a lot of books on two times speed. Now, it's one thing to have a voice that works, you know, or that's that's tolerable at a regular speed. It's a whole nother ballgame when you're looking at the different ways that people consume that audio. And what's your thought on, you know, the impact that that has on how people receive or, you know, are, are you okay with people listening to you at two times speed? And, and sort of what does that mean for you? Or is that something you consider when you're actually creating an audio recording? I am because I know, and I'm moving a little bit closer to the microphone, because an audiobook is very intimate because most people listen on headphones. So you have to know that. You have to know that when you're talking and you're delivering those words, that you're being very intimate. You're in someone's ear. You're in their head. And that's how the delivery works. So you know, you can listen to my audiobooks, you can listen to other audiobooks, and there's a distinct difference by many of them. A lot of authors don't really care the quality of the narrator they get. They just want the ego rush of saying, I have an audiobook. And that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. You want to choose your narrator very carefully. You know, there's there's a little badge that that the top audiobook producers have. It's called an audible approved narrator. And they're ones they are the ones that know how to engineer the audio and master the audio and know how to deliver and have at least 25 books, you know, to their name on there. And then other people, the audio quality, you know, when I was looking for narrators for a book project that I'm working on, um, I used some female narrators and the quality was so poor just because the technology is there, you know, you have to be careful. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out, And this is going to represent you just like your book cover. If you're producing a a book for print, you do not want to cut corners on the design of the book cover. It's really, really important. And if you have an audio book, there's this little button that says sample on audible. And when someone presses that, it better sound really, really good because that narrator is representing you, you know, to, to dive into the voiceover world with me, a lot of people have a project they want and it's going to represent their company, whether it's a corporate video or what have you, and they go find the least expensive voiceover they can find. What happens is they discover that they put all this money into a video and it's not getting the response that they want. They're getting a negative response. You know, an example is the budget for Jurassic Park for audio was 51% Titanic. The majority of the movie is audio. 
See, here's what people don't realize. You can take your, your iPhone and you can have incredible video and you can listen out of that little speaker. And you'll go, eh, that's kind of cool. The videos, the graphics are good. You can also take your iPhone and look at that small little screen and then put an incredible sound to it. And it's going to be even more because sound is more important than the visual. And what happens is people create videos for their companies. They put all this money into After Effects and all this incredible editing and then get really inexpensive music and really inexpensive voiceovers. So what I don't know how this has happened, but I tend to be the person they come to after. To fix so to fix it, they're like, uh, we did this, this video and listen to it. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's not getting the response we wanted. People are saying that the video sucks and we've spent all this video, look at these imageries and I stuff. Yeah. So then I will come in and revoice it. And a lot of times I'll suggest a different music or sound design behind it. And it totally takes it to the next level. So just because you have the technology, you really want to go with the experts. It's, it's really important and see what they've done. And, you know, I don't claim that I have the best voice in the world. I don't. I'm not the best voiceover actor. However, what I do have is the ability to absolutely communicate the intended message and actually connect with the listener. It's, it's more than just the voice. It's the emotion. It's the, the energy. It's the way that you say the words. It's almost like a musical instrument. It's not the fact that you say the words. It's the way that you say the words, the cadence and the inflection and the highs and the lows. That's what grabs people. So true. So true. And I, I think definitely, I, I love listening to your voice. I remember the first time you spoke, I was like, oh, he's got a really cool voice. And then, of course, they said you were a voiceover actor. I'm like, of course, like, that's a voice I would want to hear. So do you ever run into the risk of because now you are the voice of certain things, that there's sort of this, you know, that's, I don't want my voice being the voice of something else. And, and I'm not explaining it well. Basically, do I select like, who my voice? Well, no more sort represents. of like Robin Leach, for example, who unfortunately recently passed away. But like Robin, Robin Leach was, you know, so if he, his voice was recognized when you heard his voice, it was like, oh, it was linked to the shows that he had been the voiceover for. Um, so is there a concern when you have authors who say, well, well, you're, you're the voice of Miracle Morning. I'm not a Miracle Morning. I'm just a whatever, or I'm a, a brand. I know. How do you differentiate that? Because it's your voice. It is. And it's all different. If you listen to different books, they're different. So my delivery for Ed Rush's The 21 Day Miracle was different because one, I know Ed and his, you know, he's kind of a smart ass and he's kind of funny and he's just kind of, I guess, irreverent in some ways and just very in your face, which I love, uh, very direct. And I came across with that delivery. I've done books. I've done on a recorder's books. Um, which is Write Like a Boss and her other other books. And I've, so I've done female authors, which people are amazed about. And, you know, it's it's the emotion that I that I bring. I don't think that my exposure is a point that people are like, I don't think that. I think that it's per individual project. I don't think that someone's going to go, I don't want your voice because you're the voice of Miracle Morning. I would think that they would say, I want your voice because you're the Miracle Morning. Yeah. And I am selective of, the projects that I do. Uh, I did a project recently and they showed me the storyboard for the video 
and they hired me and then they cut massive corners on the video and the video was so cheesy and so poor that I did not accept the project. I, I did not want my voice on no way. Mm -mm. No, no, no. And I, and I don't do certain projects. I don't, you know, it's my voice and I don't do certain projects. So I think that's really important because you want to keep the integrity of sort of what you're affiliated. And, and so far the projects that you've done have been very strong and powerful. I mean, of course there's some commercial pieces, but even those it's done with an integrity that is very consistent from what I've heard. I was going to say seen, but it's really more from what I've heard. And, and I think that's, that's a really powerful message, no matter what you're doing, that when you're, you know, just because you have, like you're saying, just because you have the technology or the capability doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Just because you have the voice doesn't necessarily mean you should do everybody's voiceover. It's got to be consistent. With well, I have very strong boundaries. And the one thing that I feel so blessed about that I am not motivated by I am not inspired or motivated by money at all. And I'm very blessed and happy to be in a position where I don't have to take jobs that I don't want to take based on money. I don't take a job based on money. I take a job based on what I feel I can bring to the table. And if it's something of value to others, there's, there's a lot of content that, you know, there was a lot of Bitcoin projects that were coming out and I just thought they were shady. And I I turned down some very large paychecks to be part of some of these companies, but it just, and I'm not saying Bitcoin is, is bad. I'm not saying that cryptocurrency is bad, but I'm saying the companies that I saw, how they were operating was not, was shady. And, and I don't want to be involved with shady. I've done voiceovers for a few CBD companies, and I've not done voiceovers for a few CBD companies. And it was all based on who they were. And I think if you live a life with your boundaries of like, I have business ethics and I have integrity, and I have to look at myself in the mirror. And if you go through life motivated by money, you're going to take opportunity, and it's going to take you down a path you don't want to go. I mean, I have opportunities that I could have taken in the 90s that I... I know for a fact because my my then partner is a multi multi millionaire based on that job that we were going to do, and I chose not to take that job. And I wouldn't change that for anything in the world because I know what he's involved in, and I know, you know, how he sold his soul for the money and what that's cost, you know, people around him just to know him. And I'm so glad. I'm like, I I'd rather not have that money than to have being involved in something shady. That's just not how I operate. So keeping to soul and doing something that's your passion. I know you recently launched a podcast that's around what you are passionate about. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I think that that was something that I've seen in you in the last year, where you've really taken action on something that you love and feel strongly about. And you're about to launch it and share it with the world. So can you give us a little insight as to what's happening there? Yeah. So through just some incredible opportunity, my very dear friends and I, we opened a hot rod shop in Fountain Hills, Arizona. And it all started January 15th, 2015. And we were at the Barrett Jackson car show. I'd never been around classic cars. I've seen them growing up. 
and I like cars, but I never really got it. And we were there and something magical happened. We just started talking about, we need to open a hot rod shop. We need to build these cars. And fast forward, I'm part owner of a hot rod shop and we build incredible cars. We build Corvettes and Mustangs and we, we, we just create these incredible vehicles that allow people to really realize their dreams. These cars have stories behind them. A lot of them are inherited or they've come through generations or someone bought their car back when they actually owned it when they were 16 years old and they were at a car auction and there was their car, their car, and they want us to rebuild it. And we started a podcast and it's going to come out very, very soon. It's called Hot Rods, Mods, Bikes and Babes After Hours. And you know, people say, oh, you know, babes. Well, the babe is Kinsey, and that's my partner. And the the after hours is after a hard day of work at the shop, usually on Friday nights, we all go in the design center. We talk about what happened that week, you know, what the stories that we experienced and, and the technology that we used to create these incredible cars. And, and we had other people come in and just sit with us, and they're like, they love it. Like they expect it on a regular basis. And we talked about it and we're like, we need to turn this into a podcast. And we asked people and the response was, we would totally listen to that show because we come into the shop and it would save us from having to drive to Fountain Hills. So we have taken that and uh, we are super excited about that. We're going to have uh, incredible guests on the show. It's just a conversation. We talk about technology of what we use and the techniques that we use um, in building the cars. We talk about the people behind the cars. We talk about the owners. And then the other thing is, is that all of us at the shop are very, very into personal development, personal growth, positive and forward momentum. And we read a lot of personal development books. So in the show, we talk about the Miracle Morning. We talk about Ed Rush's The 21 Day Miracle. We talk about my book, The Law of Action. We talk about ways to empower ourselves because here's the thing we were thinking. There's a lot of people that look at these cars and they're like, I can never have that. But we want to make it so that you can. In one of the shows, we were talking about how a lot of shops, unless you're building a complete custom build, they don't want to talk to you. If you're, a, if you're someone who works on your car on the weekends and you're a do-it-yourselfer, we don't want to talk to you. That's not the way we are at our shop because we love the cars and we love the people behind the cars. So if you're working on your car and you get to a point where, man, I just don't want to do the suspension because people's lives are involved, you can take it to us and we'll get you over the hump and then go back and you can go start working on it again. And I think that's what makes it a little bit different. And the fact that we talk about personal development and we've discovered that our very successful clients. I mean, in order to build a quarter of a million dollar car, you have to be pretty successful. And I love to talk to our clients and find out what motivates them, what drives them. And they all take massive, immediate action. They're all devour personal development and, and Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and, you know, all, all of these personal development uh, uh, people and there's a reason for that. So we feel that if we can talk about cars and then interject positive motivational talk, then we can inspire people to have better lives, happier, increase their wealth, have better businesses, and then they would have the financial resources to build the car of their dreams. And not necessarily that they go to us, but they'd have the resources. They can build it in their garage. 
but we're there. And we want to be a catalyst for people to achieve their dreams of their cars because a lot of people have them. I don't think they're attainable. And we're going to share stories of how people built their cars and got their dream cars built by just changing their perspective on their lives. And that's what we're going to do. So we're excited about that. I'm excited for you. It sounds like a great show and I, th I look forward to it launching. So please make sure you send us the link so we can add it to the show notes when it goes live. I will um, do that. Super excited. I think it's going to be a really interesting show. And actually, I'm, I'm glad you explained it a little bit more because it, it really, it brought much more depth to my understanding of what the show was going to be about. So I'm really excited to hear more about that as it goes live. So we're coming to the end and I just want to, I want to make sure that our listeners can find you and find your work. Where do they find Rob Actis if they want to learn more about you or hire you to do their book or hire you to do their, their branding? You can find me. I'm an Audible, produce, Audible approved producer. You can find me on ACX. That's easy to find. Or you can go to my voiceover website. It's freshvo.com. You can get two free chapters of The Law of Action at thelawofaction.com. And you can Google me and you can see all the stuff that I'm up to. I'm very, very, very easy to find. And uh, I'm very approachable. So I, I, I answer all my emails. I'm on Twitter at uh, freshvo. And uh, I, I love, I love interacting with everybody. I, you know, I had a lot of people help me along the way and I try to give back as much as I possibly can. So if my book can have any significant impact in your life or a little impact in your life and make your life better, then I've done a good thing. And I, I, I'm really proud of the book and I'm really proud of all the audiobooks I've done. The 21 day miracle is amazing. The, uh, Miracle Morning totally transformed my life. I, Hal Elrod, incredible, incredible man. And I highly recommend that you either listen to the audiobook or or buy the, the Miracle Morning. And uh, I think it will have a significant impact on your life. So it did for me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's just been such a pleasure and an honor to have you with us. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. And we look forward to sharing more stories with you over the course of the coming year. Please make sure you subscribe and share with your friends so that you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We look forward to more with you. And bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.